So I just wanted to kind of start you out that way. So let's just kind of, let's visit here for a minute, right? You guys know me, I like to visit for just a minute or two. Uh, we're gonna, we've talked about the first couple weeks of this relationship series, right? The first week we talked about to have a good marriage, to have a good relationship, we have to have Christ at the center of it, right? Isn't that what we, we determined right off the bat? We have to have Christ at the center of it for us to have that. And then we talked about having a mission, having mission-based relationships. And when we talked about that, we talked about that God had one purpose for us, and that was to make him known. Jesus declared that, that, that we would know him so that we would live and to glorify the Father, right? Glorifying the Father is to make him known. And this week, we are going to talk very specifically about marriage. So don't tune me out, though. Because some of you say, well, that doesn't apply to me. But, but don't tune me out because these principles apply to every relationship you're going to have. I'm going to be really honest. There's a big, this, this applies to every single relationship you're going to have. But I thought I'd talk to you guys a little bit because I love to tell a story. I like to have at least a little humor so I'm comfortable. So I shared with you guys I'm doing this marriage counseling right now for this young couple who are getting married. There's some friends of ours. And... Uh, so I, I've been, been doing this, and we've been working through this, this book, this, this, this book called The History of Marriage. It's a really good book. And, uh, but the last session that we had was over, over the roles of marriage, right? It was over the roles of marriage. And, and I asked them from the very start, I said, hey, how'd you guys feel about this chapter? And they both looked at me and went, ugh, ugh. Oh, and, and I, I, I asked them, I said, why do you feel that way? And, and all I heard was these preconceived notions that had been rolled out to them throughout their lives, right? They just went, oh, oh, you know, and, 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 and so the, the, the young woman looked at me with this sour look on her face and says, I just did not connect. And I thought, Wow. And he said, I just don't get it. That's what, that's what they both said. That was their, their responses. And I said, let me take a few minutes to help you understand. Let me give you some clarification and some understanding to exactly what God was saying there. And I think that's a pretty common response when we think about it. When, God, when we talk about godly marriages, is, is because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. right? There's been a lot of... of contorting, if you will, of the word of God. And I think if we look at today's text and we begin to examine it through the eyes of God, through his scripture, I think that we're going to have, we're going to be able to see how important these roles are to having a good marriage. So we're going to dive deep. We're going to look at how God commands us to treat one another and the example he gave. We're going to look at our roles in marriage and how God intended for those to work together with one another. And finally, we're going to look at how we can have the power to live out the roles of God has created for us. That we can have these power relationships. Because how many of you know that God created us to have power marriages? He didn't create you to have a weak marriage. He didn't create marriage to be this, this sign of weakness. He created it so that we 
could have dominion together. It, it wasn't just one. And it wasn't dominion over one another. It was dominion together. Right? That's why it's, you know, it says a man leaves his mother and father, joins with his wife to become one. Right? And so I want to be really careful here this morning to make sure that we are, we are, that we have the right heart and the right attitude this morning as we go forward and we learn about what God has for us, the roles of marriage. Well, let me kick that off for the first time today. All right. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, 21 through 28. This might be, for some of you, the most unpopular verses in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you they are the, one of the most powerful verses there is. To when you look at these through the eyes of the Father, through what he intended, I will tell you, your marriages will be amazing and powerful. Because God has such a purpose for you. So let's read together. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read it on the screen back there. It says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his house, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body and church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the glorious cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to, her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I just thank you for your wisdom and your inspiration. God, that you have given us a clear picture of how we're to serve. How we're to serve one another and how we're to serve you. God, I pray that we would have open hearts and minds. God, that you would wipe away all, all preconceived thoughts and ideas in our heads today. God, I just thank you for the example that you are and continue to be in our lives. So, Lord, I just pray right now that we would act in submission to you this morning. God, with open hearts and open minds. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. How many people tuned me out already? Anybody turned the channel yet? I'm looking out there. I see a few faces that might have already changed the channel. So roll back in for a minute. Roll back in for a minute. Some of you may not even know what turn the channel means. Like when I was a kid, we didn't have a remote control on our TV. My dad would point at you, and he would go like this. And he would go click, click. So I had to get up and go turn this rotator knob on our TV. Anybody have those TVs when they were growing up? Anybody else have that similar experience? Yeah, yep, that's exactly right. And, and uh, I, yeah, I thought my son was raising his hand. I'm like, you've always had a remote control. I'm like, nah, he's just playing with his hair. Wow. 
Well, let's, let's get into this. Let's, let's dig in deep here this morning. So, what's the secret ingredient to marriage? I get asked that a lot, right? I haven't been married as long as some. I've been married a lot longer than, than others. And uh, I get asked that a lot. Like, what's, what's the key to marriage? And I want to tell you what the secret ingredient is today, if, if I can be really, really honest. The key to knowing, the key to, the key to secret, the secret to, to a good marriage is knowing your roles in your marriage start with this very sentence, submit. How many of you just went, that was a cuss word, and you just tuned me out when I said the word Submit. Right? Anybody? I'm glad nobody's raising their hands. This is, a, this is great. Unfortunately, the word submit, right, has become this, this horrible word in our, in our English language today. It's become a dirty word. It, it's, it, it comes with all these negative connotations that are not at the intending of what God had created it for. Because we associate it with being weak. Don't you? So you associate it with being weak or dominated right? Being a doormat for somebody and taken advantage of. That's what we take, that's what we take to mean submit to. We look at it from the, the world of MMA. Anybody else here like MMA fighting? I, maybe you shouldn't raise your hand. I don't know, but I like MMA, right? And when you watch it, right, the, you watch these submission specialists and, 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 and you think about, they, they put the arm bar on until it, they make you submit, right? And that's how we associate it with Submission is absolutely not that. It's a willing choice. We've allowed this act of submission to become an instrument of division rather than an act of multiplication. Think about that. We've allowed it to become a divisive word in our language rather than the multiplier that God meant it to be. Oh, But why would Paul start off his instructions? Why would he start him off with the role of marriage, with a call to submit? He didn't just jump into the role, did he? He, premises us, he, he sets the premise for everything by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. So many people forget that piece. They, they, skip, they skip that verse and they jump right into the woman's role, and then they leave the men's role out, and then they, you know, they, they pick and choose what they want to choose out of this. And God has such clear words here for each and every one of us. But let's start with it. Submission, here's what it is, calls us to serve, and serving is at the core of every Jesus-modeled relationship. That's, that's just the truth of it. Because submission in our lives starts with the ability to submit our lives to Jesus. How are you going to submit to a husband or a wife if you can't even submit your life to Jesus? You want a Christ-centered relationship, but you, can't really, but you can't submit your life to him. You can't submit your fears. You can't submit. Allow him to have lordship over you because we can't, we can't give him our lives. Because submission, what it really does is it allows us to say, that you are more important than my self-interest and my selfish desires. That's really what it says. 
That's what the act of serving through submission, through serving says. So many people, they struggle with this because I'm being honest. You can't, husband, wives, you guys struggle with this piece because you haven't figured out how to submit your life over to Christ. That's the reality of it. How do you submit to one another when you can't submit your life to Christ? Because you don't even trust him enough to take care of your life. How do you trust your spouse? Mm. But let's talk about this. Jesus is this example of how he served through submission. This is what Luke 22, 24 through 27 says. And then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, In this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people, but among you it will be different. I love this, that it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among, among you as one who serves. When we choose to serve, that's an act of submission in our lives. It's the, it's the most tangible example of submission when we choose to serve. Now, I got this point up here for you. It says, fulfillment of our relationship with Christ and with one another only comes and only comes when you sacrifice your selfish desires and prefer others over ourselves. That's the truth. Husbands, wives, we have to lay down our own selfishness, our own desires, our own wants, if you will, and put the betterment of our spouse over ourselves. That's true submission. Because Paul understood that to live the life that Jesus called, that we could never be the center of it. If you are the center of the relationship, the relationship is doomed to fall. And I was talking with somebody who was struggling with a relationship a while back and, and, and every sentence began with I, I am, they don't. And I went, you've got a problem, my friend. It's a problem of the I am. You need to replace you with the great I am. It's a reason why Jesus never referred to us as I am and only himself as I am. for us to live this life out, to live the life that he's called us to. We have to be servants. We have to be reflections of Jesus Christ. How do you live out a Christ-centered marriage? Well, you gotta be a reflection of Jesus, don't you? If we don't mimic his behaviors, how do we live out the identities that he's called us to live? Let me tell you how Jesus told us to live. That's out of Mark 10, 45. You all ought to know this with Pastor Aaron being our pastor. For the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve others and, not, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the very act of service. That's how we submit. Yes, 
I want you to think about this from a tangible perspective. Jesus in the garden showed his submission to the Father when he cried out these words, Father, your will be done. See, he forsook his own interests in preference of the Father, demonstrating the example of exactly how we should live each and every day. And Paul, he calls out this reverence of Jesus Christ, right? To follow the example is what he's saying. Follow the example that Jesus had. First he says, submit to one another, and then he says, out of reverence, because it's the example that Jesus set for us. I want you to understand, you have to, to, to be able to get into the rules of marriage, you have to understand exactly with the very first sentence. And that last part is in reverence of Jesus, an example of Jesus. You know, Jesus submitted his life to the Father. We just kind of talked about that. And he gave up his own self-interest. He gave up his own life. How should it be any different with us as married couples? Husbands, wives. And, and, and I want to push that out because some of you may shut me out because you said, well, I'm not married or, or, or whatever. Paul goes down the road just a little bit further here and he starts talking about your bosses. He talks about you children and submission to your parents. He talks about parents, how you should treat your children. And it all starts with the same thing. And it all starts at the very beginning there. Because serving one another and submitting our will multiplies on our lives. It's a kingdom principle. It's the same we talk about giving, right? Talk about offering. Offering is a submission of our finances to God. When we submit to one another, listen to this. This is what Luke 6.38 says. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap, and the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Husband, wives, if you're not giving, you can determine what you're going to get back. If you're not serving one another, do not expect to be served. Simple as that. Kingdom principle. Jesus declares it. I got to tell you, I want to be the one who has it given back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And it's predicated on how I behave. Mm. And I think this was so important to talk about, the role of submission. Because before we can look at the individual role, we have to understand the importance of it. And how submitting to one another allows us to fulfill the God-given roles that we have. If you don't understand the very act of submission from the get-go, that it's serving one another, you will not get your role. You will rail against it, and you will fight against it, and you will struggle for the entirety of your marriage. Wives, it says, wives, serve your husband, submit to your husband as you would serve the Lord. I want to state this straight up from from the get-go, because this is where some people are going to get turned off. But I want to say this because I want you to stay tuned in. Start, I want to state it right from the start that that is not unlimited authority to abuse you ladies or mistreat you. 
That is not an unlimited. So too many people over the years have taken this scripture and they have used it as a reason to dominate you and make you be their doorstep rather than to be their partner. So I want you to hear me loud and clear from the get-go that that's not what this is. You are just the opposite of that. You are created, I want you to hear this, ladies, each and every one of you. Look at me, look up here. You are created in God's image, and God blessed you when he created. That's according to his own words out of Genesis 1. You were created by the Father. You're just blessed just as much as Adam was. Your blessing is not separate. Your blessing is just the same. And let me tell you that if you're created in God's image, I gotta tell you this, God is not weak, nor is he ran over. Is he? Because if that's the God you serve, I gotta tell you, we have to have a different lesson. I don't serve a God who is weak, who's ran over. Ladies, you are not to be ran over. You are his image bearer. God created you as an example. Let me tell you this. God created you as an example how to live out our lives in submission to Jesus. And it's a heavy weight. But God knew you could bear it. He knew that you were the right image to show his faithfulness. He understood that from the get-go when he created you. Now, I want you to hear this, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But you're an equal partner, but you have a different role. An equal partner, but a different role. Making this clear. I'm going to say this several times. Making this clear that this passage is not about domination. But because God called both of his creations to have dominion together. You were called to be the partner of your husband. The most effective ministry couples are couples who partner together. Because let me tell you this. It says where two or three are gathered, we take that as this big building, right? Let me tell you. Where two or three are gathered, hence I'll be. Is that what he says? There I will be. Is that what he says? Don and Janice, are you together? How many of you are there? Huh. God is there. God is there. And so you can have this dominion, this ability to conquer life's issues, going through it together. When we're sick, when we're struggling, when we have our partner to go with it, we can have dominion over the situation because we know if Christ is in the center that he's there. If both partners, though, had the same role, I got to tell you, there would be gaps everywhere. There would be gaps everywhere. So let me give my example of my son. I can't look at him when I do this because I'll either smile or, or I'll cry. It, one of the two always is going to happen. I can't just carry a straight face, Pastor. I can't do it. Let me tell you, I can be a little bit rough on the exterior at times. And Kelton can tell you that. I was a little rough on him at times. Probably more often than not. But my wife was the comforter. She was the, the caregiver. I wanted to make him strong, but she wanted him to grow up nurtured. 
Both characteristics are of God, aren't they? Both characteristics. But let me tell you, I don't exhibit some of the nurturing ones always. I'm going I'm to stick my foot somewhere. You all know where to go with that one, right? That's kind of, that was how I was as a boss. That's how I was as a father. But my wife was like, let me nurture you along. Let me help you grow. Let me tell you, the worship leader he is today is because of the Holy Spirit and because of his mother. Not because of his father. His father was just the guy who forced him to play the guitar for 45 minutes every day. And, t- and while he cried, yelled at me, and he would yell, do strums like this. And just... <laughs> right? And I'm like, I'm coming in there with the belt in a minute, buddy. You know, and then his mom's like, hey, chill out. You know, let me go talk to him. Let me see if I can get him to play, you know. You know, she was the one that created the nurturing part because there's a different role. But let me tell you, if you guys, as a married couple... If you want to be more than conquerors, is what Paul said, if you want to have dominion and have that mindset, you have to have, these two statements have to be present. It's this, that I will exercise my authority and influence on your behalf, and it has to be reciprocated with this. You will exercise your authority and influence on my behalf. without both parties having this mindset, you're going to constantly be at odds about submitting to one another because it becomes out of balance. Anybody, anybody here do the laundry? I'm going to be honest. I do most of the laundry in my house. Uh, and, and that's no, no reflection. My wife does a lot of other things really great. I do most of the laundry. Anybody ever um, misload the washer? <laughs> yeah, me too. What happens when it when it gets misloaded. It becomes out of balance, doesn't it? And then it shakes and it moves and it does everything that it's not supposed to do. And then somebody gets mad at you because it's making really a lot of noise in the house and they're like, don't you know how to load the wash machine? All those type of things, right? There has to be balance. But let me tell you, let's talk about a little bit some of these acts of service of submission. Wives, the support of a wife to a husband is an act of service, and it is the greatest gift you will ever give. Because let me explain something to you. The church, and this is why, Jesus, why, why, why Paul uses this example, the church has been entrusted with the heart of Jesus. Demonstrating it to the world and expressing it correctly is our main goal. And he uses you as that example. You have been entrusted with the hearts of your husbands, ladies. That's a heavy weight because some of us have some pretty hard hearts. But you've been entrusted with those hearts to nurture, to protect, to speak truth. Speaking truth, by the way, is not about slamming somebody and beating somebody up. Speaking truth is about creating an environment that creates strength. That protection of the heart, that speaking out of truth, of love, and respect is one of the greatest acts of service. You know that I can, I can look out around, around here and I could look across my entire life and, and there is only one person other than Jesus Christ that I trust my heart with. Heidi knows every aspect of it. She knows that I so railed against giving this message to you. 
that I almost, being perfectly honest, almost went in uh, opposite of what our pastor said to do. I had to be in submission because I wanted that relationship to work, right? I didn't want to get fired. Um, <laughs> but I trust Heidi with my heart. And in turn, she protects me. You want to know my biggest cheerleader? It's Heidi. She would, I would hate to see the person who would come at me. Because she knows that's her job is to protect me. To protect my heart. So ladies, that is your greatest job, is to submit through the protection of your heart, to serve your husbands in that way. There's no more intimate form of relationship than one who submits their own wills to, to protecting the life of another. And that's your role. God chose women to be the example to all believers. Get this, you are the example to the entire church of how we should behave in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because God knew your hearts were strong and you are trustworthy. Hear me out. You are strong and you are trustworthy. Submission does not make you weak. You are the example of love and support that God has for his people. You are the tangible example, get this, of how God nurtures and brings, us out of the full, out, brings out the fullest potential of your husbands as Christ does for his people. How many believe that, that, that Jesus brings out the fullest potential in us? Yeah. Let me tell you, that's your job, wives, is to help bring out the fullest potential, creating the space for your husbands to live out the role that God called. You want to know, some of I've heard so many arguments about, hey, my husband does not serve in the way he, he's supposed to serve. He doesn't act the way he's supposed to act. He doesn't lead the way he's supposed to lead. Are you creating the environment? Are you stealing their authority? Or are you giving them the space to grow their authority? You want them to lead? Give them the space to lead. Nurture that up in them. Though submission may feel weak, it is not. It is the ultimate sign of strength that you can trust and demonstrate your love to your husband the same as it does to Christ. That submission, when we raise our hands up in worship and we say, God, I'm all of yours, that is the greatest act of submission. You are God's demonstration that he is trustworthy, ladies. It demonstrates to your family and your husbands, your children, of how God is trustworthy when you serve. Mm. Don't underestimate and devalue the role that God has created for you. Because God created you to bring out the best in your husbands. You were created to reflect the relationship, to be modeled by all as they seek God. Ladies, you bear that responsibility. I love my dad, and he set a lot of great examples, but let me tell you, my mother is the one who nurtured my desire to seek God. My grandmother was the one who nurtured that peace in me. 
My dad was the challenger. My mom and my grandmothers were the ones who nurtured that. You are not weak or lesser. You are created and blessed by God himself. I want you guys, ladies, to remember that. That's what I'm leaving you with finally on, on, the, on the role of, of wives is that you are not weak or lesser. You are created and blessed by God himself. Mm. Men, now I get to talk like a man, right? I get to, get to kind of roll into my, this might be more of my, my place here, right? This might be where I feel really, I'm not much of a nurturer, but I, I can talk pretty plainly. Men, I want to talk about your equal partner. 1 Peter 3 and 7 says, In the same way you husbands give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Now he's referring to the weaker side, or the weaker, your, your bodies, not, not your spirits, not anything else. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Just because you can bench press more, gentlemen, in some cases there might be a few of you ladies who bench press more, but uh, <laughs> just because you bench press more does not give you any more authority. It doesn't give you any more place in God's kingdom than your wife. I want you to hear this. I'm going to speak really plainly to all the men in this building. And I wrote this out because I wanted to make sure I said it right. Any man who's hearing the sound of my voice right now, I say this. Your wife is not beneath you. She is your co-heir in Christ, and you are to honor her as such. She is a gift. The greatest gift that God ever gave to man, other than his salvation. <laughs> Since both men and women are created... In the image of God, I kind of want you to hear this. So if you dishonor your wife, who are you dishonoring? You are dishonoring the Father himself. Tread lightly, men. Tread lightly. Men, you have the opportunity to do this. Love your wife just like Jesus loved you. The greatest act of love ever was to lay down your life. Some of us, we get this idea, we get this macho idea, right? I'm going to stand up and take a bullet for her. What husband wouldn't, right? Kelton, you're about to be a husband. He's like, man, I'm, I'll, I'll lay down my life. That's awesome. Life is temporal. How many of you are willing to give up and lay down your life, your desires? Ooh. How many of you are willing to put yourself second behind your wife's needs. You know the biggest thing that irritates me, gentlemen? When I see a wife driving a piece of junk car and you're driving a $70,000 truck. Man, grow up. Take care of your wives. Put yourself below and put their needs higher. Hey, I used to, it just irritates the heck out of me. You know, I was growing up, maybe that's the way I grew up. My dad always drove kind of a junker. But my mom always had a nice car to drive. Always. Because he said, I, you're more important than me. Hmm. You get to support your wife. 
Give her the space to be the wife, the mother, and the woman that God has called her to be. You don't have to smother her, gentlemen. You don't have to be directive in every single piece. Support her. Invest in your wife. Pour into her as Jesus has poured into you. How about that? How about leading rather than, than pulling around? How about serve your wife? Man, I love this one. This is the greatest honor that a man has and a husband can have. You want to bring out the example of how to serve in your wife? Serve her first. Be the leader. Be the leader that God called you to be. Lead, serve first. Hmm. Your prayers, it says, I love this. Peter was, or, yeah, Peter was so clear. He says, your prayers and your quests can only be made known to God when you've got it in order. If you're mistreating your wife, guess what? Those prayers are falling on deaf ears. It should speak to us the importance that God places on your wives and the treatment of your wives. I read this the other day, and I like this. Our relationship with God depends on our right relationship with others. If you're treating everyone else like a bunch of garbage, how should God treat you? I look back now as a, a young manager, and I got to tell you, I was a harsh guy. And I was not real into treating people well. And that rolled right over into my wife. I steamrolled her at every opportunity I had. Steamrolled my child. Because I had no idea how to serve. I only wanted to be served. You want a great relationship? Learn how to serve. Here's what Matthew 5, 23, 24 says. If you're, this, this is what God says about how you treat others. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. I'm going to wait for them to change the screen because I'm reading it from them. Go ahead, Gabe. All right, so if you are presenting a sacrifice, see, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Husbands, if you are mistreating your wives, you better get right quick because everything else you're doing in here, falling on deaf ears. Husbands, the well-being of your wife is so important to God that he made honor and understanding them a foundational part of our prayer lives. Once again, I say, husbands, tread carefully. Now, here's, here's what I want to talk to you men about. You are the head of the union. Heidi and I always talk about this, and, and I've heard other people compare this. We are, we are equal partners. Let me tell you, she's smarter than I am. She's better with finances than I am. In general, she's just better than I am, right? Prettier than I am, right? I mean, everything is. But in our relationship, there is a 50%, 50.1, 49.9. But let me tell you what that means is that I'm going to seek her out in every indecision. Now, I may have the 1%, but let me tell you, I'm going to be, I'm going to be darned if I don't recognize the, the gift that God has given me. 
of wise counsel, of wisdom, of intelligence, beyond just the beauty piece, right? The amazing mother. I'm going to look to her. Because if wisdom tells me if I got 50.1, I better look to the 49.9 and make sure that we're in agreement. You know, Peter compares the role of the husband to the, how Christ is the head of the church. And that's the example we're supposed to lead in our marriages. Then we can lead like Jesus led. I ask you this question. Does Jesus ever dominate? Beat up? Condemn? He says, I came to bring life and life more abundantly. That's the kind of leader I want to be. Jesus is always led as the one who served others. And that's how we have to lead. Love this story. John 13, 3 through 5 says, Then Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority. See, Jesus understood that Father had given him authority, because that's really important in this story. Over everything that he had come, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. The greatest authority began to serve others. And this is what it goes on to say in verses 12 through 17. And he says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you this example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Husbands, you should be the example of how to serve in your marriage and in your family. Husbands, if you ain't serving and if your parent, your, excuse me, your children and your wives can't come in and say, that is the model of how to serve, there's a problem. Your family should be able to see how you serve. You should be the leader who commits to doing life with your wife and not having your wife do life for you. But I also want to say, don't, don't, to be a leader doesn't mean that you're a doormat either. To be a servant leader doesn't mean you give your wife and your family everything that they want. You should be making decisions, hard decisions, on what's best for them. Not for yourself, but what's best for them. Selfish decisions do not represent the way Jesus led. They don't. I take you back to the garden. Father, your will be done, not mine. Because, let me ask you this, that goes on a little bit further in the story. And Peter didn't want Jesus to die for selfish reasons, didn't he? Peter thought that he would take back Jerusalem 
He thought that he would make him a great person. But Jesus understood that for the best to come out of Peter was for him to die and put Peter's best interest truly at the start of it. Men, as you lead, lead as, you're the, as you're the lead servant, you should always remember that your wife is this. This will help you. She is a daughter of God. It's the first and foremost should install great fear and respect in us, shouldn't it? You are married to the daughter of God. And if you dishonor your bride, husbands, you're bringing dishonor to her husband, to her, to her father. Mm. Enjoying the blessing that God created us for. John 3.17 says, I leave you that last little bit, says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Take the opportunity to serve one another and begin to watch God's blessings flow. When we begin to build each other up, God begins to build us up. Remember what he said, have dominion, be fruitful and multiply. Right? This is how we begin to do that. Because when we do that with each other, then God begins to give us other opportunities to grow, to share his love and his grace around. Some of you crying out, I need, some, I need opportunity to share God's love, but, but your wife thinks that you're a complete jerk. Right? If you can't be in first and foremost entrusted with that relationship, how in the world is God going to treat you, let you be the ambassador for him to everyone else? Right? You know, serving and submission are both action and attitude. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. When we approach the role of marriage as humble servants, hear me, as we, as we both grab that role of humble servant with love and appreciation for one another we'll experience the blissful union that God intended for his creation you want a better marriage learn how to serve each other learn how to serve one another you want a better relationship with your children learn how to serve them that doesn't mean that you give in to everything learn how to serve them put their best interests at heart you want a better relationship with your bosses learn how to truly be a servant leader how do you serve because before, before you can be entrusted with anything, you've got to learn how to serve and be responsible with that first. And now, we're going to wrap it up here. But I want to leave you with the last words. Some last words. And the last words I have are the first words that we started with. And that's Ephesians 5.21. It says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. This is the key to whether you or a husband or a wife, are having a God-blessed marriage. And that's how you reflect him, is by being servants, by submitting to one another, not being out of balance, not being like the washer that's going every which way but loose, but by having balance. Because the perfect load of laundry, right, you should never even hear the washer running. And that's how it's meant to be between us. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. This is an interesting sermon. 
interesting message. Um, I will always be amiss if I don't say first and foremost, if you have heard this message and God has stirred inside of you this desire that says, I want you in my life, Father. If that's you, I'd, I'd love for you to raise your hand. Yeah, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those. I see those. Yeah. Secondly, I want to open the altars. If, if I want to open the altars to couples that if you want to seek God, so I'm not asking you to come individually. I'm asking you to come together to seek God for your marriage, how to heal it, how to create a heart that follows him. I want you to, I want you to come down together today. So I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down because there was a couple people who said, I want Jesus in my life today. If you're part of our prayer team today, I just ask you to come down. Because those of you who raised your hand today and said, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my life. I'm willing to submit my life to him. I want you to come down. Come down right now. Don't, don't, don't hesitate. Find one of these people. But if you're one of those couples today who says, look, I want to I find healing for our marriage. I want to create a new heart. I want to have a new experience. I want to give you an opportunity to, to come and pray together this morning. So I'm going to begin to pray. If that was you today and you expressed your interest to submit your life to Jesus, please come forward. Please don't sit back there. Let one of these people join in that journey with you today. So every eye closed. And if that's you and you want to come, I, I, I'm encouraging you to come now. Oh, Father, I just thank you today. Lord, I thank you for these words of wisdom this morning. Lord, I thank you for this call to submit of submission to you first and foremost, God. Lord, I thank you that you have created each of us for a separate role to bring glory to you. God, I pray that you would cause each of us to hear these words today, Father, that you would begin to speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would begin to bring about new lives today, new marriages today, God. Lord, that begin to reflect you. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength to live out the roles that you have created us to live in, Father. Lord, so that we can be at the very best that you created us to be today, Father. So, Lord, I just thank you for each and every person here, God. Lord, I pray that you would begin to just speak to the hearts of each and every person today, Father. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Well, if, if that's you today and, and, and you want to take this home today, folks, you can, you can sit down. I, I, that's fine. Uh, if, if, take this home today. Take this message today, right? And, and dwell on it and think about it and, and meditate on these words today. Because if you want a stronger, healthier marriage, I'm telling you, all you got to do is go to the Word of God. And it lays it out there for us. So with that, happy Sunday. Next week, Pastor Aaron will be back in the pulpit. He said he's itching to get back in the pulpit. And I'm itching for him to get back here. So uh, I, though, God bless. We love each and every one of you. Have a great week. And uh, look forward to seeing each of you next, back next week.